Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, your weekly show that explores the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now, it's one of our regular and occasional flashback episodes this week. We're doing this to give us a teeny bit of breathing space as we build up to our summer special episodes. This is an, a flashback episode that's been in the schedule. Well, not on the schedule, but we've been talking about doing this for years, haven't we? Absolutely, yes. We first started talking about doing this one, I think, around about the time we did. We, we first started talking about the Mark Merlin episode that we did. So we did that. It was a long time ago, yeah. Yeah, and we put that out last year. We've been talking about this one for a long time. So this is our Roy Raymond TV detective episode. Yay! Peter, can you remember when you first encountered Roy Raymond, the TV detective? I think it was Detective Comics 500, where there's lots of different uh, DC detectives turn up in it. Of course. I think that's the first time I came across him, but yeah. What about yourself? I have a vague feeling. It's, I don't have a precise recall. I think it was probably that point in the early 90s when I was starting to collect 100 pages. Because mm. he's reprinted in a couple of issues of Detective Comics, obviously. Of course. Got a feeling it would have been then. I don't know too much about him, to be honest. I've not read an awful lot about him. Are you able to tell me and the listeners a little bit about Roy Raymond? Well, thank goodness I've done some research. Yes. Yes, yes Roy Raymond, TV detective, first appeared in Detective Comics issue 153. And that came out on the 21st of September 1949. And he was a regular feature in it all the way up until Detective Comics 292. And that came out on the 27th of April, 1961. 12 years. That's fantastic. A that's regular a, feature. That's a good long a good long run. Mm-hmm. Now, to give you a bit more of his background, he is a self-styled television detective. Yes, he detects televisions. <laughs> uh, he often went on location with his assistant, Karen Duncan, investigating unusual news stories that seldom made their way into the mainstream media. For his television show, impossible, but true. You could be forgiven for thinking that his, his strip was actually called Impossible But True. Yes. Because it seems that the, the, the stories I've looked at in preparation here, they, they do seem to have that emblazoned line. Yes. Mm. Anyway. In the show, he was often required to debunk sensationalised stories, and he's exposed many hoaxes over the course of his career. Now, after his initial run in Detective, he's appeared sporadically throughout the DC Universe in such titles as Superman, Action Comics, World's Finest, and even JLA as well as occasionally popping back up in Detective Comics. And very interestingly, he was also a recurring character in Rick Veach's run in Swamp Thing. Really? Hmm. There we are. Interesting. I've got some of those, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll have to dig them out for a reread. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So that's basically Roy Raymond Television Detective. So we had um, a lot of potential Roy Raymond stories to tell this week, believe it or not. Peter did uh, all the research on this. Ages ago, because mm-hmm. I scrolled back to the group chat and found that he'd sent me details like, as I say, yonks and yonks and yonks ago. So, but we're going to we're going to do two stories from quite opposite ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. as, as it were, as far as his publication run. And we're going to start off with a story from Detective Comics one hundred and eighty one, and that was published on the first of February nineteen fifty two. As is tradition, Peter's going to tell you very quickly what's going on in the cover, even though that's not the story we're doing. Yes, Detective Comics issue 181. We have the Detective Comics banner at the top. Also above that it says, Powell Smith, Indian lawman, who's also appearing in this issue. Oh, cool. And we've got some text that says, The astounding powers of a bizarre outlaw menace. Batman and Robin in 
The Amazing Crimes of the Human Magnets. And we've got Batman and Robin atop a building. Robin's actually walking on a metal girder that's being manipulated magnetically by the human magnets, who actually looks a bit like Electro without the headgear on him. He's got a green costume with the yellow lightning bolts all over him. Interesting. And yellow highlights. The human magnet. The human magnet. What if he's friends of the human bomb? I wonder. Mm. And the human target. Yes. The human torch. Yes. The human canoe. The human canoe. Remember the human <laughs> canoe? <laughs> But that's got absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with this story. No. So we're going to do the Roy Raymond story from Detective Comics 181. We have an opening splash panel, which has the legend Impossible, Impossible but, but True at the top, which to me, think it, I think that's the name of the strip, to be honest. Unless the name of Roy's TV show just happens to be emblazoned all over the building. It's an interesting opening image. There's a couple of TV technical people sat at desks and wearing headphones and we should describe Roy. You'd be hard pushed to pick him out of a lineup that also featured Ray Palmer and Hal Jordan, to be honest. <laughs> He's wearing a neat blue suit and a bow tie. And what we can actually see in this opening splash panel, there appear to be two Roy Raymonds. One appears to be growing slightly translucent and fading out, and there's a sort of spiral effect over the top of them. Roy's friend Karen, who's a, an attractive, well presented young blonde woman, it almost looks like she's clutching her pearls as she cries, Roy, wait, come back. Oh, he, he's gone forever. Into another world. And then we have a large text caption underneath which says, Can there possibly be another person like you? Someone else with your features, your form, and even your own fingerprints? Don't be too sure you know the answer till you read this amazing tale in which Roy Raymond, famed producer of the Impossible But True television show, finds himself face-to-face -face with the most impossible fact of his whole career when he meets Roy, Roy Raymond's, Raymond's Perfect, perfect double. double. Didn't they support menswear at the Wedgwood Rooms in Portsmouth in 1996? I think it's 1997, but yes. <laughs> so, panel two begins the story properly. We have a caption that sets the scene and says... It's Friday night, and once again, Roy Raymond's popular television show, Impossible But True, is on the air. Yes, we see Roy sat before a very creased, cheap-looking backdrop, which says <laughs> Impossible But True. Obviously, it's held up a couple of clothes pegs on a, on a wire. There's um, what looks like a stuffed eagle on his desk in front of him, and some jars containing other animals, which is all very interesting. But Roy is addressing the camera and saying... Did you know that this Australian caterpillar is able to halt an entire train dead in its tracks? You can see he's holding the creature in his hand. And then panel three has a little Roy insert head as he narrates. You see, he and his brother insects like to travel in vast armies. And, well, you can imagine what happens when they decide to settle on a section of railroad tracks. Yes, and we see a, a big old-fashioned train that's ground to a halt because... Basically, the caterpillars have built their nest over the tracks. Very interesting, the sort of thing you would see in a, in a short Instagram video these days. We're having page two now. Roy's narration continues. And now, meet Ardsley Collins, the man of 1,000 faces. Here he is as Napoleon Bonaparte. Yes, and we see a man dressed as Napoleon Bonaparte looking at a map. There's a sword on the table. That's quite interesting. Panel two. And here he is as one of the witches in Shakespeare's Macbeth. The whole change took only a few seconds, for Mr. Collins is not only an artist of disguise, 
but a master of changing expressions. Yes, a very dynamic shot of Mr. Collins standing over a cauldron. We can see flames, there's bubbles, he's got a big pointy hat on and he's waving his fingers. A master of changing expressions. That's there a we use- are. That's a useful talent. <laughs> Listeners, can you change your expression? Peter will give you the email address at the end of the episode. Send in some photos of yourself changing your expressions. Indeed. We'll compare you to Mr. Collins and, and try and work out who's best. The caption then for panel three of page two. An hour later, as the show ends, Roy's pretty secretary, Karen, brings him shocking news. Roy's in his office. He's got a newspaper in his hand. It's called The Journal. We can see the headline that says, Research man killed. Police seek assistance. Karen bursts it. She looks like, she looks very hunched over here, actually. Yeah. She's, she's giving me Mrs. Overall vibes. Um, that will not inform my performance. Karen's saying, Roy, Professor Abernathy, the star of next week's show, has just been murdered. His assistant, Edmund Rose, did it. Please can't find a trace of the killer. What? Why, Abernathy was one of my best friends, and he was just at the brink of his greatest discovery, the nature of the fourth dimension. Roy sets the newspaper down on his desk for panel four. Karen comes round to comfort him, as Roy says. That's what makes it so tragic. He was in the verge of triumph. Yet... Life must go on. We'll have to prepare another show, Karen. Leave it to me, Roy. I'll gather the material and I'll see that you have a good show. And a caption runs out that panel saying, Only good? Karen doesn't know it, but strange events will make it the most startling show of Roy's amazing career. A slow dissolve. Caption for the final panel of page two says, Later that week. Yes, we're obviously in some kind of den that has a record of stuff that we've had in the show because we can see in the background there's a, a tree, a picture of a tree on the wall and the captioned in within itself, the oyster tree of Trinidad. Oysters actually grow in its branches. And there's another photograph of a, an ancient looking man in a turban with a snake in front of him. And that's got a caption that says, Farid El Din, the man who wore a golden mask for 84 years. So actually, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't look as old as the mask. So these are obviously... I'm wondering if these things are actually true. Or impossible. <laughs> and they're scattered through the story just to kind of educate the, the, the readers. Well, let's see what Karen and Roy have to say about it. So Karen is leaning against a filing cabinet, and she's saying, here's some material you might want to consider for our next show, Roy. Roy has a, a note in his hand. He's looking at a photograph, but he says to Karen, Nice work, Karen. Some of them are obvious phonies, but... I'll have to wait till later to go over it with you. Right now, I've got a luncheon appointment. All right, so this is the, so the Farid Al Din is the is obviously what Karen has researched. She's been on she's been on Google, yes, or she's been on 1951's equivalent of mm. of Wikipedia, which is called a library. Roy, as I say, has a note in his hand. He's also holding a photograph. The photograph is of a an older man looking. Very very interesting with a very thick beard and moustache and weird glasses. And the note reads. Dear Mr. Raymond, you won't believe it, but that's a beard of feathers growing in my face. You see, I was recently in an accident, and doctors had to replace my skin with the skin of a chicken. Truthfully yours, Michael. Well, listeners, have you ever had to have your skin replaced by the skin of a chicken? Write in and let us know. Peter will give you the address at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. First panel, page three, is captioned. And only a few minutes afterward... Roy has come back from his lunch appointment. Karen's surprised to see him. She says, Why, Roy, what are you doing back so soon? You can have eaten lunch that quickly. This may shock you, miss, but I'm not Roy Raymond. I am his double from the fourth dimension. Yes, this chap looks identical to Roy. Same blue suit, same neat bow tie, same Hal Jordan-esque haircut. He gets a close-up in panel two as he says, 
You see, our worlds exist side by side, and every person in your world has his exact double in ours. Just before he died, Professor Abernathy breached the gap between our dimensions, and I have come here to take Roy Raymond back with me. Gosh. Karen takes this in her stride. However, she sat behind the desk in panel three saying, Very interesting. I'll file your explanation under H for hoaxes, along with the man who claimed he could travel to the past and the man who said he came from Mars. However, let me remind you, no one has fooled Roy yet. And this other duplica, other dimensional Roy Raymond says, You'll be in for quite a surprise when Mr. Raymond tries to prove that I'm a hoax. A slow dissolve. Afterward, when Roy returns... Yes. We see Karen with the two Roy Raymonds, and she says, Roy, uh, meet your double, another Roy Raymond, from the fourth dimension. Roy says, Hmm. Clever makeup job. I have no time for nonsense now, Karen, with a performance coming up tomorrow night. Get the infrared heat lamp from my lab, and I'll prove his claim is impossible. But moments later... Yes, we see that the, the new Roy, the new arrival, or the extra-dimensional Roy, has sat down. This heat lamp is blazing over him. You can see him sweating profusely. And our Roy leans in, looks at him and says, All makeup is applied on a cold cream base, which contracts the pores so the person wearing it will perspire very little, even under great heat. You see... What? Those beads of perspiration. He, he isn't wearing any makeup. But he, he can't be your perfect double. That's impossible! And the Roy under the lamp says... Impossible, but true. He said it. He said it there, listeners. He said it. Next shot is quite interesting. We're looking in from the, the outside through a window and we can see Karen with the two Roys. Karen is saying, There must be some way... Wait! I have it! If your story is true, then everything about you should be like Roy, including your handwriting. Here, let me see you sign Roy's name. Certainly, and watch carefully. The final panel of page three, we see Karen and Roy, our Roy looking at the signature on a piece of paper. Karen says, Roy, his signature, it's exactly like yours. Even that double loop and the capital R. What can it mean? It means that this is the cleverest hoax I've ever encountered. Or, his story is true. It's mathematically impossible for two people to be exactly alike, so if there's only one difference between us... It'll prove this man's a liar. Karen... I want you to phone Professors Oliver Regent, Maxwell Homestead, and Alexander Rourke. Tell them to come over right away. Yes, Roy, says Karen. She's a pen. She's obviously been writing all that down, and that's a good thing to do. Listeners, write down so you're making sure the information is correct and all such things. Karen gets straight on the phone in the next panel. She's in the background as the new Roy sits down casually, and the original Roy says, You don't mind exposing yourself to tests conducted by leading authorities in the science of identification, do you? And his double replies, Not at all. In fact, I welcome any test you can put me to. They will prove that I'm like you in every way. Your true double. I'm really enjoying this, listeners. Don't know about you. Caption for panel three of page four. Presently, Roy and Karen watch breathlessly as Roy's double submits himself to the most exhaustive tests of identity known to science. So a nice montage panel here, which is definitely going to make it onto the socials, I think. It's a sequence of three images of Roy and Karen and three different scientists. The first scientist, tall, neat, fussy fellow, thinning hair, very neat moustache. He's pointing at a screen which is showing fingerprints and he's saying to, to Roy and Karen, His fingerprints are precise duplicates of yours, Mr. Raymond. It, it's incredible. Never happened before. There's another chap. 
who kind of looks like the Vertigo version of Wesley Dodds. He does. Glasses, hair slicked back. If you're looking at a kind of graph type chart on a on a screen that's in front of them, down mm-hmm. down in front of them, and this chap's saying the spectroscope reveals that his hair and yours match exactly. Offhand, I'd say that's impossible. But I know it's true, and I can't explain it. The final image is Roy standing with a an older man, thick moustache, thick glasses, slicked back hair. Looks a bit heavier, wearing a brown suit. He's holding up a couple of pieces of paper. And he's saying, X-rays of his teeth are exact duplicates of those I have on file here for you. I, I see it myself, and yet I still refuse to believe it. It's it's so... So impossible, eh? Mm, Roy's resigned to it. Caption in for panel four. Relentlessly, Roy investigates every possible angle. In the lab of Dr. Collins, famous surgeon... Yes, a lot going on here. We can see that the ersatz duplicate parallel Roy is on a hospital bed. Roy's looking at him. Karen's there as well. Lamps are being shone on him. And there's a doctor, a building chap, with one of those headbands with a little sort of reflective circle that you used to always sort of oh, yeah. see in stories when Peter and I were young back in the olden <laughs> days of penny farthings and pounds and shillings. This doctor is examining the new Roy, and he's saying, Hmm... Not a sign of a plastic operation that could make him look like you. Look again, Doctor. There must be something. One little giveaway clue. Karen's bored by now, obviously. She says, Let's go, Roy. It's no use. Besides, it's terribly hot in here. And a slow dissolve. Caption for the final panel of page four. Finally, at the police department's identification bureau. Yes, we're in another office. We can see the, the detailing in the door that tells us we're at the identification bureau. There's a nice big United States flag hanging off the walls, a filing cabinet, some bits of paper on the wall. And there's a sign on the desk of the chap that we're visiting that says Inspector L. Roberts. And Inspector Roberts is saying, No two Earth people could be so identical, Roy. All the findings prove that this man is as much like you as you yourself are. It sounds fantastic, but his assertion must be true. With the two Roys being present, the parallel Roy says... And for the final proof, I'm taking you back to my world, Raymond, as evidence that dimensional travel has been achieved. Gosh, the real Roy stands up and says, Suppose I don't want to go to your world. And his duplicate says, You have no choice, nor will you be able to return, for when I take you with me to my world, you will learn the secret of dimensional travel. And I want only my people to know that secret. Now come. Professor Abernathy's discovery gave me a power you can't resist. And he seems to be pointing at his face with his left hand and then gesturing towards Roy with his right hand. Roy seems to start shaking, actually, here. It's quite interesting as he says, I I have to follow. Can't control my movements. Wait, stop. Give, give me more time. Just a little more time. It's interesting. Inspector Roberts seems frozen in place as well. He doesn't do anything to intervene. Panel three, our Roy makes a, a desperate plea to his duplicate. Let me give one more performance. My last and most unusual show. Tomorrow night. I, I'll i introduce you and my TV audience will watch as you take me with you, never to return. And the duplicate replies. A fair request. I will be at your studio at eight as your guest and at the end of the show, you will leave with me. Gosh, how exciting. Capture for panel four. After Roy's double departs. Yes. Karen has appeared on the scene. She's holding a card, a piece of paper. She's saying, Roy, please, before you disappear into the fourth dimensions, give this to your double. It it may change his mind. To which Roy says, Sure, Karen, but I don't think an appeal for kindness will help. Another caption runs out of that panel. Don't be so sure, Roy. 
Karen's letter contains the startling truth about your double, unwittingly revealed by you. Now, let's pause, listeners. Have you worked out what's going on? What's Karen spotted that maybe Roy himself hasn't? Do you know who the werewolf is? Peter knew I was going to, what I was going to say next. Logopolis. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a Fanta. Hmm. Caption then for panel five, page five. Next day, eager thousands scan the headlines. Excellent panel. Absolutely excellent panel showing a couple of spinning newspapers. The Ledger has a headline that reads, Scientists say dimensional travel tale is true. Mm. And the Daily Press has a photograph of the two Roys and a caption saying, Trick photography? Fourth dimensional visitor? The world will discover tonight as Roy Raymond's double appears on show and we can see the bustling city underneath. That's a lovely panel. I might have to put that on the socials. So, a slow dissolve then. Panel six of page five. And that evening, as Roy's programme concludes... Yes, we see the two Roys on stage. Presumably it's our Roy giving a demonstration of this weird device that's on the table in front of him. I'm not going to try and describe it. You'll have to dig out a copy of Detective One One for yourself. <laughs> Roy is saying... You see before you objects such as have never been seen on Earth before. My double claims they come from the fourth dimension. And now, for his final proof, the hand of the clock is nearing the moment when... But he's interrupted by his double who yells... The moment is now! Final panel of page five, though. Suddenly... A man bursts onto the TV stage, wearing a brown suit and bearing a pistol. He says... Yes, the moment to take me. I know something about the fourth dimension, too. And I'm going in Roy Raymond's place. And very helpfully at this point, one of the TV cameramen exclaims... Why, it it's Edmund Roche! The man who killed Professor Abernathy. The man who killed Professor Abernathy was the sequel to The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. First panel in a page six is captioned... At that instant, half the audience springs to its feet and... It looks as though the, the entire audience or half the audience is packing because there's an awful lot of guns all of a sudden being pointed up towards the stage. Thankfully, they seem to be policemen. The lead policeman says... Drop that gun, Roge. We're police. We've got you covered. And indeed... Roge does drop his gun. On stage, Roy Raymond raises his hands to try and calm everyone down and says, Don't be alarmed, folks. This is a hoax. A carefully rehearsed hoax to trap the killer of my good friend, Professor Abernathy. Interesting. Panel 2, page 6. Roy continues. Please accept my deepest apologies for fooling you all, but as you can see, it served the needs of justice. I played the part of my own double, and... Archley Collins, the man of a thousand faces, pretended to be me in order to make Roche believe that there was a fourth dimension where he could find refuge from police. Wow! In the background, we see Roche being led off by some police officers and to the left of Roy, indeed. We see Mr. Collins removing his wig and his makeup, revealing his own very distinctive and very different face. A slow dissolve. A while later... And we see Roy... Our Roy, who was the duplicate all along, with a little piece of paper that Karen gave him, and he's saying, This letter you gave me yesterday, Karen, I guess you want me to destroy it now. As a matter of fact, no. I'm eager for you to read it. And Roy unfolds a piece of paper, and it reads, Roy, you are your own double, that's underlined, Karen. Roy, surprised, he says, What? How did you know? Where did I slip up? Karen says, you told me a person wearing makeup doesn't perspire much under great heat. Yet in Dr. Collins' lab, both your double and I perspired freely. But the man who was supposed to be you seemed cool as a cucumber. In the final panel of page six, Roy tickles Karen's chin. Oh, and says, 
Clever reasoning, Karen. I guess you're getting to be my double. At least, as far as my methods of deduction are concerned. Karen beams and a small caption says, The The end. end. Now, the rest of the page is rounded out with an advertisement that's called Charlie Wilde and the Hitchhiker. And it's basically an advertisement for Wild Roots Cream Oil Hair Tonic. It grooms the hair, relieves dryness, and removes loose dandruff. I need to do some googling on Charlie Wilde. He seems to go around with this other young lady picking up young male hitchhikers. Very dodgy. Well, that was all very exciting, wasn't it? That was wonderful. I love that story. It's so much fun. Me too. Really, really did. Looking back to the scene with the heat lamp to try and figure out what Karen spotted. Yeah, with the heat lamp, Roy under the heat lamp is sweating, the other Roy isn't. Ah. So yes, the clue is there, the clue is there. They all should have been sweating, I suppose, is that what they're saying? I think so, yes. Interesting, yes. So listeners, if someone isn't sweating, it means they're a bad person. Well, that was great fun. It was a a great ruse to sort of flush out the bad guy. Mm -hmm. I liked when he turned up and was all set to, you know, embark on this trip to the fourth dimension. And also, we should say how the, the splash... The half-page splash panel that sets it up is a bit of a fib. Certainly is, yes. As, as Roy starts to fade out and Karen exclaims, "No concentric circles, no, 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 no dimensional travel at all." Interesting. It was a fraud. Yes, Roy, it was impossible, but false. He's gone forever into another world. That's yeah, exciting. A bit of a defenders cover. It was the yes, as always sort of said cover <laughs> to. Is it defenders issue thirty-eight? Being strange, she's turning the sun into a fireball. That's that sort of thing that's going on there. No, that was great fun. That was enormous fun. For six pages, it packs in a lot. There's the stuff to entertain and educate the kids, but it's also, it's a really, a nice little sort of think piece to kind of engage the brain and sort of make you think, right, what's going on? And I was actually, I was sold. I was like, Uh right, this is Roy's duplicate. Wow. Yeah. uh, So was I, first time I read it, uh, I was completely hooked, thinking, this is amazing. How are they going to explain this? Is there a dimensional travel involved yeah from all the evidence he certainly does seem to be an exact duplicate uh-huh. but how smart just to make him the real Roy all along that's fantastic yeah. and I mean it's even you know the stuff on page two about setting up Mr. Mr. Collins and his Napoleon and uh-huh. Macbeth witch sort of thing because you kind of forget about that yeah really, it's such a throwaway but uh-huh. it's right there at the start mm-hmm. um, hiding in plain sight and sort of telling you what was going on mm-hmm. that was wonderful that was I think one of the most satisfying stories I think we've ever done <laughs> do you know what I mean it's a, if it was mm-hmm. an episode of something like The Four Just Men or Gideon's Way or something you know it'd be, it'd be a cracking little little story or sure. you know There Are Limits or something like that do you yeah. know what I mean it's very much the setup for most Roy Raymond stories is, is that where there's a puzzle and Roy solves it mm-hmm. uh, and it, there's a twist it's very succinct uh, yeah. and very smart and you know, it does keep the reader guessing, which is great. Now, in my research, there are a few other Roy Raymond stories that featured other dimensions. Mm. I'm going to give you brief summaries of two of them before we go on to our final story today. The next one's from Detective Comics 196, which came out on the 29th of April 1953. This is called The Man from the Fifth Dimension. It's worth saying as well that there's no writer credit for any of these stories, but the art always seems to be by Ruben Moria. Right. Now, in this story... The president of the Eastern Television Network and his son Bobby are fishing in Deep Lake. Mm. They catch a plastic boot with a gold zip, and another fisherman pulls out a scroll with gold knobs on it. More people keep finding this strange stuff, and the president of the network brings it to the attention of Roy Raymond to investigate on his show Impossible But True. Next day, Roy and his assistant Karen visit the sheriff's office at Deep Lake. They examine the scroll and find it has strange alien writing on it. And during this time, another fisherman has caught a green dog-like creature from the lake. Yeah. Roy and his crew then take a boat out on the lake and start filming. 
suddenly, a green-skinned alien humanoid rises from the water. He claims to be a peaceful visitor from the fifth dimension, who learned English through a device called the Thought Machine. He says he volunteered to come through a dimensional hole to be an ambassador to our world. Unfortunately, the hole is shrinking. However, he brought gold with him so he could live comfortably here. He also explains that he has special shoes that enable him to live in the fifth dimension where gravity is ten times that of Earth. Wow. Roy's suspicious and the next day he digs out an old newspaper and sees that the amount of gold the alien had was about the same as was stolen in an armoured car robbery the previous year. Interesting. He then takes a bathysphere to the lake to try to find the hole to the other dimension. Roy puts on a pressure suit in the sphere and says the alien won't need one. The alien panics and confesses that he's not from the fifth dimension and the pressure would kill him. He pulls a gun in Roy, but accidentally shoots the controls, causing the sphere to shoot up, giving him the bends. Roy's okay though, because he's in his pressure suit. Now on the surface, it's revealed that the alien was the crook who robbed the armoured car. And he got, wait for this, (laughs) plastic surgery to make himself look alien and planted the objects, including the dyed dog, to give credence to his story. Blimey. Plastic surgery. Well, I mean, there's a touch of the creature from the Black Lagoons about him, isn't there? Yeah, without a doubt, huh? That's quite extreme. Mm -hmm. You could have just bought a rubber mask, mate. (laughs) Honestly. Has he never seen Scooby-Doo? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's a fun little story, and it's it's weird. Like the you know people referring to him as the man from the fifth dimension makes me just expect him to to break out into a chorus of Aquarius, let the sunshine in. <laughs> of course, quite frankly, because mm. that's what he would do if he was in the fifth dimension. Certainly would. Yes. Now the next story is from Detective Comics two hundred and thirty eight that came out on the twenty fifth of October nineteen fifty six, and this is called the Invaders from the Fourth Dimension. Gosh. Could that be the same fourth dimension that Roy's duplicate was going to take him to in the story we've just done? That's a question. Interesting. There is we a question. Answer, we can't answer that question. Mm. Anyway. Now, in this story, Roy and Karen are summoned to the estate of scientist Dr. Houston. Dr. Houston explains that a week before, he was experimenting with a cyclotron when some green gas formed, and from it came several green-skinned alien humanoids. The leader said they were from the fourth dimension, and they were going to capture Dr. Houston and take him back there so nobody else would discover their existence. Dr. Houston managed to repel them with an infrared light. Now, because it's Roy, he suspects a hoax, and questions Dr. Houston, who reveals that he recently fired his assistant, Henry Jode, after he discovered he had a criminal record. Roy also inspects the room where it happened, and discovered it's surrounded by a two-foot layer of concrete and steel, so nobody could have got in or out. Mm. Karen then posts guards outside, but back in the house, the green gas returns and then vanishes, this time taking a lamp with it. Houston and Roy move back to the lab where the first dimensional breach occurred. The gas reappears along with the aliens, who try to drag Houston and Roy into their dimension. Roy fights off the aliens while Dr. Houston uses the infrared flashlight again to banish them back to the fourth dimension. Now, soon after that... Roy is seen by the guards and Karen entering a guard booth outside the house. And later on, Roy is talking to Karen and she mentions him entering the booth. Roy examines the booth and finds it empty with breath marks on the inside of the glass. This leads him to a secret passage where he finds the aliens and Houston, who is removing a Roy Raymond face mask. (gasps) Trademark. Houston confesses he was behind it all along. Jode was just a red herring. Houston had been making counterfeit diamonds for a gang. He wanted to stop 
but they threatened to kill him. He planned to disappear with Roy as a witness. Roy tells him to confess all to the police and they'll probably go easy on him. And that's the end of that story. Gosh. So that's three Roy Raymond stories featuring other dimensions that were all phonies. Yes. My goodness. And this brings us to the final story we're going to read for you today, which comes from Detective Comics 278, published on the 1st of March 1960. It's a startling cover. I would encourage you, I would encourage everyone to take a drink while Peter describes it to you. Yes, a full moon looms in the background behind the Detective Comics logo. The text says, The man who became a giant. And we do have a, a giant man who seems to be wearing a, a white shirt and white briefs, it looks like. He's a giant with ginger hair and he's throwing a rock. Put your trousers on, man. I know. <laughs> and Robin's running away from him saying, Steve, don't! Batman and I are your friends! <laughs> um, makes me think of our pal... Steve Higgins, for some reason. <laughs> Batman then says, It's no use, Robin. He's gone berserk. Yes, Steve's gone berserk. And so our final story then for this episode, thank Peter for doing the, the summaries of those other ones. We have an opening splash panel, as we would come to expect. A caption sets the scene. It is a world beyond belief, and it exists under our very noses. Here are the fantastic facts about this strange dimension and the exciting steps taken by TV detective Roy Raymond, which eventually lead him into... The, the Fifth, fifth dimension, dimension Trap. That's a nice big Roy Raymond TV detective logo at the top of the panel. Now, what we see here, it's a very interesting looking futuristic cityscape, which I, to my eyes looks very like a big budget version of what the Dalek City from the very first Dalek story would have looked like. <laughs> Roy and Karen were hiding behind a pillar as yellow and green aliens are sort of firing their ray guns either at each other or up into the sky. It's not too clear. These aliens, smooth-skinned, it looks like they're wearing large purple nappies, humanoid, basically, in style. They seem to be bald, and they're, to be honest, you wouldn't really want to meet them in a dark alley. They probably give you the fear. Roy and Karen hiding behind a pillar. Karen is saying, Roy! We'll never be able to get back into our own world. Never! So there's the scene setting. Let's see if uh, if anything like that actually happens in the story as we crack on. The caption then for panel two. One day, as Roy Raymond and his secretary complete tryouts for their famed TV show, Impossible But True. Yes, Roy and Karen are in a room with several other people who have obviously been demonstrating. Roy is saying, Afraid that's all the applicants we have time for today, folks. But then a... Uh, a gentleman, an older gentleman, balding, a neat moustache, a neater bow tie, very loose-fitting suit. He's holding up a little, well, just like a little ball, to be honest, and he's saying, But Mr. Raymond, you must test my smoke bomb pellet. You crush it between your fingers and the chemical inside releases a huge cloud. Roy's not too fussed, he says. A new invention, eh? Okay, leave it with me. I'll test it in my spare time. And there's another chap who actually looks quite like my dad, as he did circa maybe, what, 1964, 65? Anyway, slick back dark hair, thick glasses, in his short sleeves. He sat at a desk, there's a, what looks like a lamp in front of him. We can also see a big TV camera behind him. But this guy's saying, Studio is testing something new too, Roy, this transistor spotlight. Gives twice the light at half the cost, and it's portable. Now, those two things that have been set up there, I wonder if they're going to play out. Let's see. <laughs> There's an interruption as we reach page two. The caption for the first panel says, Just then. And everyone's interrupted by another older gentleman who looks kind of like my grandpa Bane a little bit with a moustache. Think on that, if you will, members <laughs> of my family. This chap appears to be carrying a weird-looking torch gun device. He interrupts and says, I hope you can spare me a few minutes, Roy. Why, it's my 
Old friend Professor Jason. Don't tell me you want to get on my show too. Panel 2, page 2 is cracking. It's a nice wide shot of everything going on in the studio as the professor says, Gracious, no. This is something I must show you in strictest confidence. Of course. Come into my office. A slow dissolve. Shortly. Professor Jason and Roy and Karen, don't forget she's there, are all in Roy's office. You can see some more fancy pictures on the wall. And Professor Jason's holding up, I'm holding up, miming that for the benefit of our YouTube viewers, holding up his fancy torch gun thing and he's saying, This is a device I invented to produce sounds of half a million cycles, Roy. Whew, that's way beyond the range of human hearing. What does it do? Professor Jason sort of aims the torch gun device in the next panel as he says, That's just the problem, Roy. It does things it isn't supposed to do. Let me demonstrate. Then, as the troubled professor presses the trigger of his curious device... Yes, this weird, shimmering yellow rip in sort of the air appears in front of them. Karen exclaims, Why? It's creating a kind of slit in space, the professor says. It'll stay that way for several minutes too, but but keep looking. You haven't seen anything yet. Indeed, an instant later... Yeah, flying in through the rip in space is a weird sort of small long-stretched blue pterodactyl, for want of a better way of putting it. Karen maybe has a better way of putting it when she says, Good grief, it it produced a strange bird. Incredible, says Roy. We arrive at the top of page three. The bird is flying around the room and Roy says, It's like no species on Earth. How was this done, Professor? Believe me, Roy, I haven't the faintest idea. Roy takes the, the gun torch device from the Professor in the inset panel and says, Here. Let me try it. When he does... Caption for panel two. Coming through the rift, we see... We get a better look at the the type of alien that we saw in the splash panel. Very tall, very odd features, large, large dark eyes, very small ears, no hair in the body at all. Again, appears to be wearing a purple nappy. He walks through this rip in space, and Roy says... Great thunder! Look what's materialising now! An alien creature! And as the bird continues to loop around in panel three, the alien raises a finger and says, Be calm. I am from the dimensional world that exists alongside your own. For several days now, we have noted a number of strange openings in space. The bird lands on his outstretched hand in panel four as he continues. When we saw some of our objects, such as this bird, falling through, we realised... You had perfected an instrument which opened a door between our worlds. Gosh, Roy is sceptical in the next panel as he says, It doesn't seem possible. The alien continues, Why not prove it then by visiting our world? The alien seems to smile in the final panel of page three. Karen looks almost like she's egging Roy on as she says, Golly, Roy, let's do it. Okay, Karen, if you're game. And if that's and if that panel doesn't work out of context, I don't know what does. Caption in for the first panel of page four. Once again, the trigger is pressed, and... Yes, we see the, the shimmering yellow effect. The alien starts to head through it. Karen follows, and she says, Eek! I'm passing right through! To which Roy says, Don't be frightened, Karen. I'll follow behind you. He's carrying the gun torch device still. Professor Jason doesn't follow. He just sort of taps his chin in the background and looks thoughtful. Caption for panel two of page four. Next moment, as they emerge into a strange world... Yes, we see the alien removing what we thought were his eyes, but it seemed to have just been protective covers, so he's more human-like eyes underneath. Karen spots him doing this, and she says, Oh, those were sunglasses you had on. 
Yes, the light in your dimension is too strong for our tiny eyes. See, that puts me in mind of the Reeves and Mortimer Tiny Eyes song. Oh, Have you ever yeah. seen it? It's familiar, but I can't remember. Right, I'll show you after yeah. we finish recording. Listeners, yeah. I might post it on the socials. Stay tuned. Must quickly point out in the background of this panel, we can see some of the detailing of the, the other dimensional alien city. We get a wider shot of it in panel three. It's beautiful. No other word for it. Karen says in the middle of this, even though the, the speech bubble is actually directed at Roy, which is <laughs> quite amusing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Karen's saying, Roy, just look at this world. Could we go on a sightseeing tour of it? But then they get interrupted because we can see a couple of other shapes coming down a flight of stairs behind them, bottom of some sort of temple-like structure. And we see in panel four that it's a couple of yellow aliens, both of whom are bearing pistols. And one of them points at Roy and Karen and says, You can do as you please. Once you turn over that handy device of yours, Roy says, What? But why? And in the green alien, he's also produced a gun, and he says, Food! So we can loot valuable objects from your dimension with no fear of being caught. Karen says, Roy, we walked into a trap. These aliens are criminals. With powerful ray guns. Now, hand the device over before we use them. But, but if we do, we'll be trapped in this dimension for good. Can't you do something, Roy? In the first panel of page five is a caption that says, Surreptitiously, the video sleuth slips his hand into his pocket and... Yes, we see him removing a very small item as he thinks, Now's as good a time as any to test this smoke bomb pellet. And he throws the smoke bomb pellet. There's an amusing poof catchphrase. Cloud of blue and black smoke appears as Roy says, Come on, Karen, let's duck while the ducking's good. Caption for the next panel. But after a desperate dash to safety... Yes, we see Roy and Karen ducking behind a pillar, which takes us back to the opening splash panels, so that one was more accurate this time. And as they're hiding behind the pillar, Karen is saying, Hurry, Roy, turn on that thing so we can get back into our own dimension. Not yet, Karen. Remember, the warp remains open for several minutes. Yes, he's obviously still bearing the torch gun device that got them in the first place. We get a, more of a closer shot of our two heroes in panel four. That would give them enough time to follow us in. This time they would use their powerful guns. Then how can we ever get out of here? Hmm. I've got an idea, Karen, but it'll take some fast figuring. They're hiding in the shadows here as we see some of the the aliens walking around in their underpants. And final panel of page five, it's a shot of the aliens walking almost towards us as Roy and Karen move out of their hiding place behind them. Roy is saying, There's where we entered this world from our office. So if we follow this direction for about ten paces... I sure hope you know what you're doing, Roy. And if you arrive at the final page, top of page six, the caption of the first panel says, Roy's mysterious plan reaches its climax when... Roy says, This must be the exact spot. Here goes. And he aims the device. And then the caption for panel two. As he presses the trigger. Yes, the big shimmering yellow dimensional rip reappears. The aliens have obviously caught what's happening. They've turned and started moving back towards them. Karen says... The warp's open, Roy. Let's hurry before those creatures reach us. No, Karen. Wait. Caption for panel three. Next instant. Yes, something appears to be falling through the warp towards them. Piece of equipment. Karen says, the, the studio's new portable spotlight. It's falling into this dimension. Just as I hoped it would. Roy grabs the spotlight, switches it on. There's a snap sound effect as a burst of light emanates from the device, blinding the aliens. Roy says, And this'll keep them away from the warp until it closes permanently. And Karen remembers, just as I did this very second. Of course, I forgot that those creatures can't stand powerful light. 
the yes, they could just can't stand the light, the light of the yellow studio portable spotlight, not the Green Lantern. Anyway, <laughs> the caption for panel five. And so shortly. Yep, Roy and Karen back in the office. We can see the yellow warp sort of fading out, and Roy says, "Karen, notify that smoke bomb inventor that his pellet is terrific." Right, and I'll tell the studio to buy some more of those wonderful spotlights. Roy turns to Professor Jason, holding up his fancy device, and he says, As for you, Professor, I suggest you take this thing apart and drop the pieces into the ocean. And the Professor laughs and says, Ha ha! An excellent suggestion, Roy! And a small caption says, The The End. end. Oof! So after all those false starts, we eventually go to another dimension with Roy Raymond. Amazing. It reminded me very much of the the Mark Merlin story we did. Yes, it's incredibly... The same. <laughs> yes. But it's cool that they got to go. Uh-huh. And I was impressed by the really the really straightforward motivations. Mm-hmm. Um, we can loot valuable objects from your dimension of with course. no fear of being caught. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what is valuable to these other aliens? Yeah. Copies of Detective Comics 26. <laughs> recordings of the Doctor Who story, the Myth Makers. Um, Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? It's interesting. There must be some similar sort of, you know, uh-huh. exchange rate type Mm-hmm. You no know, value type situation going on in this other dimension. Yeah. Basically, this professor seems to have invented a version of the Phantom Zone projector. Yes. <laughs> a device that he invented to produce sounds of half a million cycles, but it accidentally opens a rip to another dimension. Of course, as we know, other dimensions and other universities are separated by vibrations. So sound obviously would be a factor in that. That's so, yeah. true. That's, that's an excellent point. Mm-hmm. That's very well put. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the blue bird went back with them or if it stayed in our dimension. Does it become Roy's plucky sidekick <laughs> in ongoing stories? That's very interesting. Yeah. That was marvellous. Just so to the point and no mm-hmm. no, um, no fat and just lean and just... Yeah. Again, we got the setup like we did mm-hmm. and the other story of, you know, Chekhov smoke bomb and Chekhov transistor spotlight. <laughs> you know, if you hang a smoke bomb in the wall and act that's one, it. you're going to use it to d- distract aliens in Act 3. I mean, again, that's the tropes that you get in Roy Raymond. The clues are there early mm-hmm. on and they're all used in the... You know, in the end of the story, it's yeah. just great fun. It was. It was, it was great Huge fun. entertainment and it's a case of... The kids reading it and seeing if they can work out mm. what's happening, you know, before the end. Yeah. It's, it's, it's superb. I'm definitely going to go and read all the, the Roy Raymond reprints that were yeah. in the, the Detective Comics 100 pages. I think mm-hmm. now that we've done this, I'm going to, I mean, we've got to dig those 100 pages out anyway for a reason. Yeah, I'm going to go and do some more reading, see if they're half as much fun as those stories. I'm glad that we finally got around to reading them for the podcast. Yeah, it's just great detective stories and hugely entertaining. Yep. Now, as you know, on the Earth 2 podcast, we're all about legacy and Roy Raymond has legacy. He is a grandson, Roy Raymond Jr. Mm. He first appeared in Detective Comics 650, which came out on the 4th of August 1992. He presented a tabloid television series in Gotham City called Roy Raymond Jr. Manstalker. He was considered by many as an arrogant, inept and huge embarrassment to his (laughs) grandfather. But Batman described Roy as one of the few detectives he admired, but chose to waste his talents on daytime television. Roy Jr. later moved to Keystone City, where he became a pundit at KN News. There he was manipulated by the villain Spin to start a smear campaign against The Flash. That rings a bell. Yeah. He then later continued his Manstalker programme, and he investigated the kidnapping of a little girl. His detective work turned up some solid leads on our whereabouts, but he was dismissed as the crazy television man. Angered, Roy tracked down the girl himself and rescued her from the kidnappers. Now, here's the really interesting part. I don't know if you're aware of this. Okay. When Batman was presumed dead, 
he was part of the Outsiders. Was this circa... Batman R.I.P.? Right, okay. Alfred recruited Roy Raymond Jr. to take his place in The Outsiders with the costumed identity of Owlman. Ooh! Owlman basically kind of looked like the modern version of Owlman from Earth 3. Combination of that and Night Owl from Watchmen. It's, right. it's a slightly armoured suit. Uh, it does have limited flight in it, some energy projection, enhanced senses and talents. But basically, he's in it for his detective skills. Right. Only read those stories when they first came out, and I haven't actually revisited them, so I don't remember much about them, but I do remember I enjoyed them at the time. That's all new to me. That's very interesting. Mm. I wish we'd, wish we'd thought of that when we did our Crimes and Negate episode, but not to worry. So Roy Raymond is a legacy version of... Roy Raymond. Of Roy Raymond. <laughs> did, did, that, did you see he actually used the name Owlman? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? There we go. That's in the minimum to our Road to the Crimes Syndicate from episode from about three years ago. Indeed. That's interesting. So while David's recovering from that bombshell, why don't you take this time to write us an email? You can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we're putting up some lovely bonus content for this episode and indeed every episode on Twitter at podcast underscore earth2 and at Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast and it's the number two for all our social media. As I always say at this point, if you're feeling that way inclined, you go to wherever it is you receive your podcast and give us a positive review. That'd be lovely. I'm told such things are good for us. I'll also, at this point of the year, recommend that you listen to the Brandon Peters show on a Monday because he's doing the summer of 93 at 30 and it's very, very entertaining. That's my other podcast recommendation hey. for the week. I should also say that Talkville, Smallville, Rewatch Podcast, which I mentioned in the past, is well into Series 2 at the moment and they're covering some really, really good episodes. So if you're a Superman fan and if you watch Smallville and you haven't checked that podcast out, you should give it a shot because it's very, very interesting. And also I'd like to mention that all the guys at the Awesome Comics Podcast is truly an awesome comics podcast and they champion the small press talent every single week. So yeah, check that out. Their shows are out every Monday. And we'll give another shout out to our pal Ross and he's doing great stuff right now on Stop Let's Team Up. Pete and I have both been involved in some episodes of his recently and will hopefully continue to be if mm-hmm. everyone's availability all matches up. So yeah, Ross is having a great time going through the, all the different star men at the moment. So check that out. On that note, I've been Peter. I've been David. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again very soon on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Let me give one more performance. My last and most unusual show. Tomorrow night, I'll introduce you and my TV audience will watch as you take me with you, never to return. The duplicate replies... Oh, I forgot that was me. <laughs> the professor laughs and says, Ha-ha, an excellent suggestion, Rot. That's the wrong voice. <laughs> <laughs> He's Thunder Tower, man. <laughs>